Tyreek Stevenson is the Chicago Bears early round draft pick that I'm most excited about. And after you hear from our Locked on Miami Hurricanes host on today's podcast, I think you'll have a better understanding as to why. You are Locked on Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen today. Thank you to everyone who makes Locked on Bears your first listen every day. We love our everydayers here on the Locked on Podcast Network. We are your team every day. And on the show today, we'll be joined by another Locked on Podcast Network host, Alex Dono from Locked on Canes, who covers the Miami Hurricanes professionally. Our local expert on the college team of Tyreek Stevenson will join us to break down Stevenson's college career, how he went from Georgia to Miami, despite being a Miami local, what he learned through that process, how he grew during his transitions in college, how the defense at Miami changed from year one to year two for him down there, and how that process was, what kind of responsibilities they asked of him in coverage, and how that will translate to the NFL. Then we'll wrap up by looking at how Stevenson fits into the cornerback depth chart in Chicago, along with the later round cornerback pick Terrell Smith from Minnesota. But let's jump right in now with our friend Alex, who's a great, great host and a fun person to talk to about Tyreek Stevenson. Joining us now is Alex Dono, the host of Locked on Canes here in the Locked on Podcast Network, and he's a contributor to All Hurricanes as part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group. Alex, thanks for joining us today. How was your draft weekend from a Miami perspective? I imagine a few different guys going for you guys. Was it it meet your expectations there? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I mean, I actually was kind of a bonus because I thought the Hurricanes would have two guys drafted. Tyreek Stevenson, of course, was a given. Uh, Will Mallory was a given, but that was a little bit of a bonus because uh, the Miami tight end went probably a round higher than I thought he would to Indianapolis in the fifth. I thought he might end up being a sixth-round pick. And then I didn't expect cornerback DJ Ivy to get drafted. I thought he would be one of those borderline undrafted free agent guys, and he got snatched up in the seventh round. So obviously not too busy of a draft as far as the Miami Hurricanes were concerned with three guys. But uh, I was expecting two, and you know, two of them were taken before I thought. Yeah, what was your expectations for for Tyreek Stevenson? You know, when when he declared and when the season ended last year, is this about where you thought he would end up, or how do you think this pre-draft process went for him? Well, the pre-draft process really helped him as far as the workouts and his performance in the Senior Bowl because coming off just a a really, not specifically to him so much, but just a really bad season for Miami's defense last year all around, I didn't know how much that was going to hurt Tyreek's draft stock. Heading into 2022, I'm thinking this guy is probably a fringe first-round guy, late first-round, early second-round type. Uh, And then he was, and not to say he was great last year, uh, but in 2022, I I think that some of of what might have hurt his draft stock just a little bit was not really having a lot of help and Miami's defensive secondary having really poor communication. It was one of those things, Lauren, where you watch some of the coverage breakdowns last year 
And maybe a guy that Tyreek was covering caught a deep ball, but then you're not sure. Was he supposed to have safety help there? What happened to the communication? Um, it was just really, really bad all around for Miami. So that didn't do him any favors. Um, and then, of course, heading into a lot of the postseason pre-draft stuff, um, he ran really, really well. He's got a lot of those tangibles when it comes to his size, being a 210-pound guy. Uh, and I look at Tyreek Stevenson as being someone who's both physically and mentally ready for the NFL because something you know you don't hear a whole lot about in a lot of the scouting reports, uh, you know, because not all the people who write those get to cover Miami in person. He's someone the last couple of years. Um, his personality uh, has always stood out to me, Tyreek. I mean, he's always been a leader among men. Uh, I can remember last year covering the Miami Hurricanes media day, and, you know, he was kind of like the class clown, but in a constructive way. Like, he was walking around, kind of messing around with his teammates and getting guys fired up and hyping up his teammates. You know, so I, I think he's a good guy to have in any locker room. I mean, he's one of those that – you know, and he's so experienced having, you know, featured two years at Georgia before transferring to Miami for his final four years, used up all of his years of, of eligibility when he maybe didn't have to. I don't know if there was some consideration for him to leave a, a year early last year. It seemed like he did. So uh, I, I think in the Chicago Bears case, you're getting someone who, um, you know, I still think he can get even better at the pro level, but he's he's a little bit more NFL ready given that he's got so much experience and he's got quality size for that position. I'm glad you mentioned the personality thing. Cause that's really interesting. I know, you know, when you, like you said, people that aren't around Miami, you start, if you just read the scouting report, someone's always going to mention when he was arrested at, at Georgia, disorderly conduct. I mean, that was four years ago now, but all of a sudden you have that one mark on your record and people already assume like, okay, maybe there's, off-field concerns and red flags for him in that regard. But safe to say that, at least during his time at Miami, there were no concerns about that whatsoever? Yeah, not at all. I probably, well, you know, when when I heard about that arrest uh, four years ago, but then I actually got to be around Tyreek, I probably just chalked that up to just, you know, that probably I, I'm sure he was a teenager at that time, just doing something stupid. I, I think he probably moved on from that because I, I always got the impression that he was, in a good way, one of the more outgoing guys on the defense and pretty good teammate to be around. Yeah, I totally understand. Uh, what do you remember about like that that transfer process when he came into Miami? Like, uh, what kind of expectations there were? I mean, I know he's a Miami native and he had been originally considering him considering that coming out of college before he ended up going to Georgia. But what what do you remember about that process and and what the what the feeling was like when he came to Miami? Yeah, it it was uh, it was supreme to be able to get him in Miami because uh, you know they're they're working their way out of it a little bit now with the talent acquisition. But this was a time kind of at the tail end of the Manny Diaz era before Mario Cristobal arrived, where really plagued by a lack of depth. And anytime you have the opportunity to take a starting caliber guy out of a program like Georgia to be able to lure him back with the hometown thing, it was big. And then also Tyreek Stevenson, um, he really fits the mold of a classic Miami Hurricanes corner in that he can play that press man coverage. I mean, that's really something that he excels in. And that's always one of those things you'd like to be in the Miami Hurricanes DNA. So there was... Definitely a lot of excitement when he came uh, through and, you know, more, more or less lived up to that. Again, the defense was not good last year. I don't put most of the blame on his shoulders for that. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by Built Bar, the makers of the world's best tasting protein bars. Built Bars are unlike any other protein bar product 
I've had. They taste delicious, but they're actually good for you. A lot of other protein bars, you know, they say they're good for you, but they're loaded up with a bunch of sugars and calories kind of hidden in there that you're getting protein, but you're also basically eating a candy bar. But Built Bars are different because they still taste like candy bars. They're soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% real chocolate, but they're low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. We're talking 17 grams of protein for only 130 calories and just three grams of sugar. It's an elite combination you can't find anywhere else. You can find a bunch of delicious flavors of Built Bar on their website, built.com, or you can get them even faster in person at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you head into your Walmart's pharmacy section over by the protein bars, you can get four bar boxes of their cookies and cream bar, their double chocolate bar, or their coconut puff. If you're close to a Sam's Club, you can run in and get a 13 bar box of their hit flavors, two of my all-time favorites, brownie batter puff and churro puffs. Check them out or go to built.com. Try them for yourself and thank me later. We're talking to Alex Dono here from Locked on Canes. And, and Alex, how did that transition go from Manny Diaz to Mario Cristobal? Like what, what kind of differences, at least for, for Tyreek, do you see from, from one year to the other as far as like what's going on with the coaching staff and even schematically on the field? How much, how much carryover was there and how, how different was it? Yeah, it was um, it, it was pretty different. And Miami has actually since changed defensive coordinators since he was uh, playing under Kevin Steele last year. And I, I just thought overall, and again, I don't, you know, Steele has an amazing track record at places like Alabama, who just actually hired him back, and he was at Auburn before getting to Miami. So this is an excellent defensive coordinator. Just for whatever reason, it didn't really mesh with him in Miami. And you know, Miami just lacks so much depth in the secondary that I, I that really reared its ugly head last year. And I think that. That made Tyreek look a little worse on the field than he really was because if you comb through the Miami message boards after some of these games like <laughs> Middle Tennessee and North Carolina where Miami was burned for a lot of deep passing plays, a lot of folks were trying to put a lot of that on Tyreek Stevenson's shoulders. But I think the way he played the prior year in 2021 when there was maybe just a little bit more stability and depth in the defensive backfield – and then the way he played in some of the postseason stuff, like the senior bowl and how good he looked in some of his workouts, maybe you start to realize, hey, this guy's not as slow as you might have thought he was on the field in 2022. And he's a little bit more instinctive than you thought he was in 2022, because, you know, one of the things with Tyreek is and, you know, as, as long as he can um, stay on point from a strength and conditioning standpoint, he's so just big when it comes to being built at corner that some fans were kind of wondering, does this guy need to switch to safety? Like, is he kind of growing and, and not to say it was bad weight, but a lot of muscle. Cause like, you know, his body fat, I'm sure is really low, but he was starting to get so big and he looked a little bit slower on certain plays that a lot of hurricanes fans were wondering, does this guy maybe need to transition to safety? Can he still kind of cover that same ground as a one-on-one -on -one corner? I, I think he can, as long as he, you know, keeps his strength and conditioning and, and doesn't get too bulky and too heavy. Uh, I think he's capable of doing that. How much do you think he was able to rely on, you know, height, weight, and, and speed, you know, the length that he has, his physical tools, like, to, like, how much was he relying on that to make up for maybe times when his coverage technique or the way he's reading the play isn't perfect, but because he's a little bit faster and a little bit stronger, it can be more physical, that he can make up for areas when he has maybe mistakes here. Like, like how reliant was he on that versus just being a really skilled technician at the cornerback position yeah I think that's a great question because sometimes like his his first step or his his jump um his first step can sometimes be a little bit of a step behind I think so I think that that's something where he may be compensated for that with a little bit of his size and speed but then like his actual 
pure technique and coverage, I think is pretty strong. And he's also got a pretty good nose for the football. I mean, had two interceptions this past year, was pretty consistent in producing some of those. So uh, I I definitely think that he kind of makes up for his first move a little bit with his speed. But overall, uh, I think it's something that can be can be fixed uh, just through, you know, right scheme and right coaching. What kind of responsibility did they put on him in coverage? I know you mentioned like he's that sort of classic press man Miami cornerback. Does that mean he's kind of one on one on the boundary there without a lot of safety help, or, or how? What kind of like was he always on you know number one receivers, kind of following them around, or you know how do they sort of balance the responsibilities on his shoulders? Yeah, they they don't they didn't usually um, switch up the coverage based on I think he was usually on the same side of the field, but definitely a lot of one on one in the boundary. I, I think that's where he excels mostly. Uh, didn't really need a lot of that safety help. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how he transitions into the league when it comes to man coverage versus zone coverage, because he's pretty strong on the outside. That's usually what they relied on him for. What what about in the running game? I, I, I know he's a guy who's not afraid to throw his body around, but did they, I mean, it's, it's, how much do they rely on the cornerbacks there to, to kind of get in and get dirty versus just kind of, you know, hanging out on the edge to be contained to funnel people back inside to the linebackers? That's where you're going to like Tyreek Stevenson a lot. Uh, and that was one of those things. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that was a bigger factor in the 2021 Manny Diaz defense than it was in the 2022 uh, Kevin Steele defense under Mario Cristobal. Uh, he's really strong in the running game. Uh, you're you're going to see him uh, behind the line of scrimmage quite a bit if the scheme calls for it. He's a really strong tackler. I mean, that comes with not only his size being a 210-pound-plus guy at this point, but having pretty good tackling fundamentals. And that was one of those things that overall Miami's defense has been lacking that the last few years. They were a little bit better from a tackling standpoint in 2022. In 2021, they were right near the bottom of America when it comes to missed tackles, but he was one of the few guys who was a little bit less symptomatic of that. So I think think that's an area where you're going to like Tyreek Stevenson. I think that's one of the reasons why – he uh, ended up being a second-day pick. And maybe if Miami's defense had been better overall last year, he might have even been a night one pick. Because I know like one of the just the scheme fits, one of the teams that we were kind of looking at in the first round was the, the Seattle Seahawks. If they decided to pull the trigger, they didn't end up doing that. So he ends up in Chicago uh, in the second round. But he, he excels in that area for sure. And the Bears traded up for him, so clearly kind of valuing right. what they could get to him at, at that spot. So I, I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want to hone in on a little bit more. Um, what, what do you think of like expectations for him in the NFL? You mentioned you think he can be better in, in the NFL than he was in the pros, but like, what, what's the range of outcomes there? What, what does the high end look like and maybe what does the low end look like? Uh, yeah, so I think the I, I guess I can start with the low end because um, he's not like he he's very fast for his size. I don't think he's going to be one of the fastest corners in the NFL. So if if maybe some of his technique, um, you know, off uh, off his first step becomes exposed and he's kind of a step behind his receivers, then, you know, maybe if kind of the worst case scenario plays out. You're going to see him get burned deep quite a bit. I think no matter what, he's going to be good against the running game. But, you know, I, I think potentially, um, you know, if if he doesn't continue an upwards trajectory, uh, he could end up being a liability and giving up some bombs down the field. Uh, maybe he'll compensate for some of that with uh, with some interceptions and some pass breakups because he's got a pretty good nose for the football. But then, you know, I, I think on I think on the high end, you know, you've got uh, he he plays taller than he looks. Like I'm actually. I hadn't refreshed uh, myself on his height until this morning. I think they only list him at six foot tall, which he he 
seems to play a little taller than that. I would have guessed he's more like a six-two guy. So maybe that's a little bit of a conservative listing because he's he's got good length to go along with his girth. Uh, so if he can stay step for step with receivers, you know, I think he could end up not necessarily being like uh, you know a Darrell old school Darrell Revis type of lockdown guy, but I think he's got a lot of a lot of high upside with his size and with his technique. So I think he could end up being one of the more reliable cover corners out there if things kind of play out the way that I think he could. And you mentioned something I hinted at earlier. You know, over the years Miami has had quite a few players I can think of a another defensive back years ago Sam Shields who really didn't do much of anything at the college level ended up being a really really good pro once he got to the Green Bay Packers and, and I think Tyreek Stevenson just based on some of the the instability and going through a coaching change for the brief time that he was in Miami um, I, I think this guy could end up even peaking in the pros more than he peaked in college and then another thing Lauren that I, I think plays out pretty well for Tyreek is um, he's been pretty consistent in avoiding any sort of serious or nagging injuries. I mean, in, in the four years that he featured two years in Georgia, two years in Miami, never played fewer than 10 games in a season. He played in 11 for Miami last year. So he's been pretty consistent with his body and avoiding some of that nagging stuff that keeps a lot of guys out. So hopefully that projects into the NFL as well. Alex, I know you've been consistent with how well you're covering the Miami Hurricanes for us here on Locked on Canes. Really appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Let everybody know again where they can find your work, especially if they want to go back and see past Tyreek Stevenson stuff or just other Miami Hurricanes content you have coming out. Yeah, well, if you watch any of my post-game breakdowns from last season, if I ever throw Tyreek under the bus, don't overreact to it too much because Miami had some bad losses, and sometimes <laughs> he was burned last year. So if anyone, if anybody goes that deep into the archives, but you know, we did we did talk a little bit about Tyreek uh, in uh, I think it was our Friday episode last week. You know, the the day that he ended up getting taken, we talked about him a little bit. So if you guys want to check that out, and yeah, you can find the show at Locked on Canes on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Uh, happy to be on with you and keeping it in the Locked on family. And, and good luck to Tyreek because uh, I'm definitely going to be watching him and rooting for him next year. Excellent. Thanks so much, Alex. Thank you. Thanks again to Alex Dono from Locked on Canes for joining us on the podcast today. And now I want to turn our attention to this cornerback depth chart more broadly and how Tyreek Stevenson fits into this conversation for the Bears. We heard from Alex there that Stevenson is more comfortably and more naturally the outside cornerback position, right? The quote-unquote starter on the outside. The Bears last year had Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon play that in the base defense, and then when they went into nickel, Kendall Vildor would come off the bench, play the outside cornerback position, and Kyler Gordon would go back into the slot there. Worth noting, the Bears still have Kendall Vildor around, still have uh, Terrell Ter 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 Smith, who they drafted this year, who's another outside cornerback that we'll learn a little bit more about throughout this pre-draft process. So all of a sudden, you got some names, you got a lot of youth across the board, but I, I want to start with what the Bears general manager, Ryan Pohl, said after the draft about how he envisions these players fitting together. Ryan, was there a motivation back to the cornerback situation to... Um, make it easier for Kyler almost to, to find a guy that could take over that role one day and that, that allow Kyler to just be able to focus on, on the side? Yeah, I think anytime, you know, you can add to that unit. Corners are hard to find, you know, and, and you always want to play, regardless of the position, you want to put guys in a position where they're, they feel most comfortable and they can play fast. Um, so in this case, I think that helps that. Um, 
But obviously, like I said before, it's on paper. The guys got to compete and, and earn their jobs, and hopefully it plays out you know, a certain way, and it makes us better, more competitive, and deeper. Um, so we'll see how it goes. So based on what we know, based on what Ryan Poles has said, based on what we know about these players, it sounds to me like, assuming everything goes as expected, everyone stays healthy, et cetera, your nickel defense, your starting nickel defense this year should be Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson on the outside, and then Kyler Gordon there in the slot. The question that remains for me is what you end up doing in base. And when you just have two cornerbacks on the field, are those two cornerbacks, Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson, still on the outside, and Gordon only plays in the slot this season to try and give him one specific role, but understanding that he's then going to play fewer snaps as a result? Or do you stick with what you did last year of sorts and have Gordon and Johnson on the outside in your base defense and bring in Stevenson's as your number three cornerback in nickel only, but playing on the outside. Your first thought might be, well, like, or my first thought was like, well, Gordon was drafted last year. He's the more experienced one. He was picked technically, I think, earlier than than Stevenson is by just a, a handful of picks there. You might think then like, okay, well, Gordon will probably still play the same role as last year, and then Stevenson would just replace... Vildor snaps almost exclusively, right? He'd only play in nickel on the outside. But I don't think it's out of the question that Stevenson and Johnson could be your two full-time outside cornerbacks and then Gordon only plays the slot. I mean, only here is kind of the the main key word that, you know, the Bears play so much nickel that it's it's really a starting role on, on that position in this Bears defense. The number three cornerback is going to play a heck of a lot more than like comparatively the number one, or there's going to be the number three linebacker in, in the base defense there. As I look at like the snaps that the cornerbacks played last year, Gordon actually led the way with 863 because there were injuries. Jalen Johnson played 656, and then Kendall Vildor played 531. So like comparatively, he's not playing that many fewer snaps compared to the other cornerbacks. There's clearly, clearly fewer total, but like it's not like he's playing half as many snaps. If you're the number three cornerback in this defense, the player who only plays in the slot isn't going to play that much less. Like, I think you end, end you ultimately end up with a fairly neatly aligned depth chart here. And I do think it becomes like a, a competition, right? We know Jalen Johnson is number one cornerback, no doubt. We know Kyler Gordon is your top slot option, no doubt. And then on the outside, then it's sort of Tyreek Stevenson versus Terrell Smith versus Kindle Vildor, and maybe sort of a competition of how comfortable you feel with Gordon. I think you want your two best cornerbacks on the field in base defense. Johnson plus who gives you the better chance, Stevenson or Gordon, right? Who's They might not be directly competing at the same position or for the same snaps and during training camp practices, but you kind of have to reevaluate like which two are our best two. And then the third one, who's ever not your best two, the third one comes in only for those slot specific snaps. Then I think on the bench, it's Terrell Smith, fighting for Kendall Vildor's job, fighting for Jalen Jones, the undrafted free agent last year. He He's going to be in those competitions as like your, out, your backup outside cornerbacks. And Josh Blackwell comes back from last year as your true like backup slot. So I think it's Johnson, Stevenson, Gordon, Smith, Vildor, Blackwell are probably your top six with Jalen competing for Vildor, competing with Vildor for probably that sixth spot. They have a couple other, you know, current undrafted free agents and former undrafted free agents competing there. But to me, it feels like there's really seven guys right now that that look to be your options there, and all of them are like 25 years old and younger. This is a very young Bears cornerback position that has a lot of room for growth, but also like a lot of long-term stability and upside here. Like Jalen Johnson will be a free agent this this upcoming year, 
Ryan Poles expressed interest in trying to bring Jalen Johnson back. He also had expressed interest in trying to bring David Montgomery back. It doesn't always happen just because you want to bring a guy back. But, I mean, with or without Jalen Johnson here, you've got Gordon for the next three years of his rookie contract. You've got Stevenson for four more years. You've got Smith for four more years. Of course, Vildor's only got another year left in his deal, but and you could, you could presumably bring him back. Blackwell, you're, you've got a lot of control over the future of these young players. They're just going to have to step up and play as good as possible moving forward. You're going to need these guys to play like veterans, to be solid and reliable on that back end, especially if you have questions about your pass rush right now, questions about your defensive line and the defensive end position in particular, and how much production you're going to get out of that group. Clearly, the Bears like being young there. They like the idea of these guys developing and are willing to put up with rookie mistakes or just inexperienced mistakes. We heard Alex talk on the podcast today about how at times, Stevenson got burned deep. You know, there were a couple of plays of 70-plus yards against Middle Tennessee and the, the game right after that. I forgot who the opponent was. That he got he got burned on. Like, there's going to be some mistakes there. The other thing that gives me some, some confidence in Stevenson in this sort of conversation is that he has played the slot before at Georgia. He didn't necessarily love it. It's part of why he transferred to Miami, but not the sole reason. And I also think, you know, he's got the build and I think some of the skill set to be able to play safety if you absolutely need him to, right? You don't want to have to move him to safety. It's sort of a, I don't want to say like a last resort, but it's like, hey, if things at cornerback aren't working out, you have other options with him, right? He's not, it's not like one of these five foot nine slot cornerbacks that can only play slot and that's pretty much it. That's all he's able to do. Like he's big and strong and fast and long. Like he can, he can potentially work out at other positions if for some reason the NFL cornerback position ends up being just a little bit more than he can handle. Like that's where I like Stevenson. Like I think there's a floor already that you feel like he's pretty good and can, man-to-man guys right now, which is really valuable. You think he can shore up some of the mistakes he made at cornerback and be very good at cornerback, but even if he can't do that as well, I still think he could have a career potentially playing in the slot or at the safety position, or at least it's worth a shot to try and see if you could still get more out of him in some of those other ways. We'd love to hear what you think about Tyreek Stevenson, how you feel about him as a draft pick and his fit in this Chicago Bears defense. Leave us a comment here on this video on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel. You can tweet us at Locked On Bears. You can post in the Locked On Bears Facebook group as well to keep the conversation going. However you do it, just make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to Locked on Bears, making us your first listen and being your everydayer, our five-day-a-week listeners here on the podcast. You guys are the diehards, the machines that keep us rolling. Make sure you come back on Monday to make Locked on Bears your first listen again. We're going to talk to our friends from Locked on Gamecocks about Zach Pickens, the defensive tackle picked in the third round. Get to know him the same way we've done the last three podcasts with Darnell Wright and Eric Kane from Locked on Tennessee Volunteers, and yesterday with Brandon Olson from Lockdown Gators. Go take a listen to those if you really want to get to know these Bears draft prospects that much better. We'll also need to break down these undrafted free agents. We might end up doing that on Monday and pushing the Gamecocks day back a little bit. We'll see how it goes with rookie minicamp and all that stuff. But lots of goodies coming your way here on Locked on Bears. So got to be subscribed, got to be an everydayer, and you got to come back for your next opportunity to bear down.